the video does not do it a whole lot of justice, but he, uh, he actually hits me pretty good with, uh, with the backswing. Other catchers could probably speak to this where there's a lot of instances where, you know, a, a hitter will, uh, Oh, geez, that smile, though. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 190 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. For the first time in Pittsburgh, we are talking to Pirates catcher Austin Hedges. How's your place, dude? It looks nice. It is. It is nice. It's uh, It makes me feel young again. We're, uh, we're in kind of like the... The happening uh, young college scene area of Pittsburgh. Um, so, you know, we have not done too much exploring out to see uh, what it's all about, uh, but uh, it sounds fun uh, right around 1.30, 2 a.m. every night. I, uh, it sounds like everyone's having a great time right around my house. Oh, come on, dude. You didn't do any research beforehand? Dude, we did so much research. We did all the research. We had like five places fall through, but we have a normal sized dog and we have a horse dog, as you know, and right. uh, it, it makes it a little bit difficult uh, to get some places. We had one place actually, <laughs> we did the whole uh, like, you know, service animal thing to like allow him to do some things, which, you know, is kind of a loophole in the system. Uh, and the, the apartment complex was gonna let us live there. Um, but the HOA stepped in and hired a lawyer to look into, uh, you know, they wanted to know what service our dogs provided. And I was like, Oh my God, no, we're out. Called our bluff. We're out. We'll, uh, we'll move on somewhere else. <laughs> How did that conversation go? By the way, when the lawyer gets involved, were you like, you know what? We just don't love the area. That's, that's exactly what it is. I took my cards and I just dropped them. I was like, no, nope, you know what? I'm out. I can't call that. That's too good. By the way, I only know of Bruce Wayne. Who's the other dog? My black lab, Bo Jackson. Oh, Bo. Right, 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 right. Bo. Bo's the OG. Bo's 10. Had Bo for forever. Uh, so he's good. He, no one worries about him. But uh, yeah, Bruce, Bruce is a little bit different. So do you and Maggie's your wife, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So like when it's 1.30 a.m. and people are partying outside, do you two look at each other and go, what the? we do no you know what we uh we kind of we, we've been able to sleep through it it's um you know it's probably around our bedtime anyways um i Got feel it. like right around like 132 is is kind of that sweet spot for me anyways um okay. and it's not too bad it's the the, the house is great the it, it's good for the dogs it's in a good spot um there's all kinds of stuff around it so we'll be fine and in one of these days we'll get out and we'll just make some noise with the with the youngins out there that away good yeah um you guys are off to a great start as we speak you have the best record in the national league so outstanding job by you and all those mighty young buckos and some of the older guys that they have brought into the lineup so we'll focus on that but i, I know that obviously as a guy who's primarily known for his defense it would be your goal and a dream to win a gold glove which is great but we here at the rose rotation are thinking of putting you in a different category uh best performance by a baseball stuntman when somehow I think you drew an interference call when you tripped yourself, what the hell happened here? Um, you know, this is this this got way more uh, publicity than I would have imagined. Um, so, uh, I mean, to break it down to quite simply, uh, I go to throw, uh, and he's kind of steps in front of me in his uh, 
on his backswing, the barrel of his bat hits my hits my left bicep. The video does not do it a whole lot of justice, but he uh, he actually hits me pretty good with uh, with the backswing. And um, you know, other catchers could probably speak to this, where there's a lot of instances where you know a, a hitter will. Jeez, uh, oh, that smile though. <laughs> uh, um, you know, there's a lot of instances where you're going to throw a guy out, guy steps in front of you, and uh, there's kind of a. It seems like there's kind of a confusion with the rule um, around really. Uh, for, it's not just professional baseball. This seems like this goes back to like high school, where if you don't make contact with the hitter, uh, a lot of times the umpire is not going to call interference. And so for me, a lot of times when I'm going to throw that ball, I got to be careful. If I go hit that guy, we're talking about, you know, maybe breaking a finger uh, on a helmet or on anything. And I'm trying to throw a guy out. Um, you know, there could be an error. I could hurt myself. Uh, so when I felt his kind of body go in front of me and his barrel hit me, um, and I also knew I had no shot at throwing the guy out, uh, because of that, um, by the time I let the ball go, um, you know, I didn't really have anything on it. And, um, you know, it doesn't feel good to have a barrel hit you, uh, hit you in the left arm. Um, and, uh, it was a really good, uh, double play for the boys. Okay. I'm not questioning whether or not the barrel hit your biceps or it was difficult to throw. But there were players who participated in the World Cup who said that was quite the fake job. I mean, you, it, you that's look hilarious. Like you shot. That is hilarious. Let, right. did, did people actually say that from the World Cup? Well, let's be, let, let's be, no, I'm making that up. But let's oh, be honest. When you look at the video, look, look at this. Okay, bang. It was like, you know, one of those, what do they call it? Delayed, delayed reaction. You know, it got I, it. I knew the barrel had hit me. I knew this was going to be a difficult situation. And I knew that this play, you know, this call needed to happen. Um, not every umpire can see it. Uh, you know, luckily, uh, Carlos was back there and he made an outstanding call. Um, and uh, we were able to to get that double play that we needed so badly. But Basically, the way I'm looking at this is, Rose, shut up, move on. You're blowing my cover. Okay, got it. Thank I you. Thought, I thought I did as good of a job as I could to make it uh, not too over the top. And then I watched the replay, and uh, the replay is a little bit hilarious, to be honest. Um, but we'll just leave it at that. You probably don't check the calendar very often, do you? Let me help out. Mother's Day is fast approaching. We're talking about May 14th. It is right around the corner. You're probably sitting there saying, dang it, I don't ever have an idea what to get mom or to get my spouse. We've got the perfect idea. Lightbox, lab-grown diamonds. The perfect solution. You will be the MVP of Mother's Day. They got everything from sparkly studs to brilliant necklaces. These gems will make her jaw drop. Kind of like this. You love me. You love me. Yes, we love you, Ma. We love you, wifey. And so here you go. Lab-grown diamonds is a guaranteed W. So once again, this year, forget about the flowers. Forget about the perfume. If you ever got your wife or your mom's socks, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Go be the MVP of Mother's Day with the gift that you will never forget. And if you use the promo code ChrisRose10, you're going to get 10% off your purchase as well. So shop Lightbox lab grown diamonds. Use the code word Chris Rose 10 for 10% off. In fact, write me in the comments how much Ma or your wife 
Love the choice. I want to hear from you. There's been some nice write-ups about you. I read one on MLB.com about how you are one of the huge difference makers this year. And I know that you don't play the game because of this. But for a guy who hasn't gotten a ton of press over the years, how much is it appreciated that somebody says, hey, this dude is a huge reason why we've had a nice turnaround this early in the season? Yeah, it is. It is nice. It's uh, There's some things that, um, you know, just some of the little things that, going about my work every day that I take a lot of pride in that, you know, I've taken a lot of pride in for a lot of years now. And, um, you know, most of the things go unnoticed and in a way, I mean, that's kind of how I like it. I think those are the, those are the real difference makers throughout a, throughout a season are the, you know, are the things that, that, that you do or that your team does when, when no one's watching, right. When, um, you know, when no one's there to, to give you the pat on the butt to tell you a good job. And, um, you know, like I said, I've taken a lot of pride in that and, uh, it's just, it's cool that it seems like a lot of people have noticed, um, some of those little things, um, that you can't quite quantify or put a number to, um, and you know, it, it, it helps keep me going, right. You know, it's, it's a hard sport. It's a grind that, you know, sometimes you need, uh, you know, you need some reassurance from, from people to, to motivate you to keep going. Um, especially when, um, you know, the sexy numbers out there, um, and that, that, that most people in the game appreciate um, are not necessarily in my box score. Um, it's, 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 it's nice to hear it for sure. Uh, you guys are off to a great start, as we talked about. This is a very different situation, in my opinion, than the one you were in the last couple of years in Cleveland. As we documented last season on the show, that was far and away the youngest team, in fact, younger than the average AAA roster. Here you join a team which does have some young talent that's certainly on its way to developing. But you bring back one of the legendary stars in Andrew McCutcheon. Carlos Santana has played a lot of meaningful baseball in his career. Brian Reynolds has been around and has been an all-star before. There are guys on this team that have tasted some success, whether it's individual or team. But there's still a lot of people who say, okay, we're a month into this thing. Let's just slow our roll. Why should we believe that the Pirates can sustain this? Well, the 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 thing that I think I, I, I keep trying to remind a lot of our young guys um, – right now is uh, to get to the playoffs, to be a, you know, to be a winning ball club. We don't have to do anything different. You know, a lot of times with, with a young club, things kind of, things kind of happen and maybe you're just, you're just rolling through teams. Your, your bats are hot, right? You have like a, a couple week long stretch where you just, you just can't get out or, um, or you're not hitting and you're pitching just as the best for a short period of time. I think the cool thing with what we're doing is it's kind of, we're kind of hitting on all cylinders. Uh, and we're not just winning in one one facet of the game. We're uh, I feel like when we went into Colorado and swept them there, uh, one of my favorite things that we did was how we ran the bases. We were just taking each extra base. We were we were turning singles into doubles. We're going first to third, first to home. All these little things that um, you know those those are the things that uh, you can always do that you can always lean on, um, no matter you know how your pitching or hitting is going. Um, so for me, uh, we, we, we've won with our bats, we've won on defense, we've won on, with pitching, we've won with base running, really all the things. And um, when you've done all that, you kind of prove to yourself that, hey, man, like, we don't really have to do anything different. We have to just continue to do this and know that this is a winning recipe. And the guys are buying into that. And the guys know that if we do do that, uh, we win ball games. And um, for most guys that have been uh, uh, in Pittsburgh for a while, like, they haven't felt this type of winning before. And, um, and I think now that guys have kind of got a taste of it, they know what that means and they know how to go about their business each day to do it. 
Um, so, you know, it's obviously, it's an amazing start and we're super pumped about it. Uh, but we also now have, uh, you know, not just now, but really since uh, we entered spring training, it's, it's our organizational expectation. We came in being like, we expect to win and to, and to do it now. Um, and that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I signed here. Um, you know, I didn't want to just, just be a part of like a rebuild about a, you know, a team that was just, you know, not going to compete this year and, and uh, looking at everybody that they signed and, and the, the talent within the organization, um, you know, I, I believed in it. And it's awesome to, to see that, uh, that it's shown on the field right now. Uh, you were still healthy when Andrew McCutcheon played his first game back in a Pirates uniform at home, right? Wasn't healthy. I was there, though. Oh, you were there. Okay, good. Uh, for people that don't exactly remember how it sounded, here we go. Kutch's first at bat back as a bucko. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming home number 22, Andrew McCutcheon. Dang, man. I had chills that whole time. And I had chills. I had chills. The, I mean, the first at bat was awesome, but I mean, it was, it was, it was the same when he got announced, you know, the, the, the player intros, you know, everyone's on the, on the third baseline, just the player intros. They announced Kutch. Uh, it was the same type of thing. Then his mom sings the national anthem, which was like the coolest thing ever. Then he gets his first at bat. Like, you know, you know, I, I've been talking to him like in some of the days like leading up to it, like he knew it was coming. Like we were worried that this guy was going to get a ball. Like he was going to start the, he was going to start the count. Oh, and two because of his ovation. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, <clears throat> I believe uh, Derek Sheltner manager had talked to the league before. And uh, I think they had some good feel to know that this is, this is one of those special moments that, you know, not too many players get, not too many players come back to a city that, that they'd brought so much joy to. Um, and, and, you know, everybody deserved that moment. I think even the, the visiting team, um, appreciated that moment. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, home opener moments that I'll definitely never forget from, from the line to his mom singing to his at bats. Um, you know, he had a Homer that night, right. In his last at bat, I think he had a Homer. Like it, it, it was, it was really, really everything about her. Just the whole, the whole homestand itself was, uh, it was one of those special ones, and um, I was glad I was there. So I think it's pretty special for you guys. I mean, listen, to make the major leagues is sensational, but to have the opportunity to play with superstars, it, it kind of makes it a little more fun occasionally. Obviously, your team's going to be better, but I mean, just to say, hey, yeah, I played with that guy when you're 25 years past your your time as a major league player. What have you learned in the first couple months of hanging out with Andrew McCutcheon that you can take and say, yeah, that's kind of a cool story? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I've got a handful because I've uh, I've tried I try to pick his brain as much as I can because I've uh, I've been fortunate enough to to play this game for a while and I've played with some amazing players, but I've never played with an MVP. You know, I could I could go down some lists of of some Manny Machados of some Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor like some, some really, really special baseball players that, that aren't MVPs. Right. And, and Andrew McCutcheon's MVP of baseball. That is, that is something that's, that's about as impressive as it gets to me in any sport. Um, and so, you know, for me, like I try and, I try and pick his brain on just, you know, what's, you know, first of all, just not, not just what, what was going well when you were at your best, but what do you, you know, what's your journey been like, because it's been a grind for him. You know, he, yeah, he was MVP, but he had some, you know, he had a bad ACL injury 
and he had to definitely go through a lot to to work as hard as he could to get back to to you know being Andrew McCutcheon. And talking to him through that was, you know, is is it was a nice reminder that you know like the best of the best of the best, the Hall of Famers in our game, they go through it. You know, they go through their doubts, their their rehab stuff. Their you know, do I still have it anymore? Am I? What do I got to do? And and he's had plenty of those moments in his career, and he's overcome each one of them. And um, you know, at however old he is right now, what like 14, 15 years in the big leagues. I mean, this guy looks like prime Andrew McCutcheon to me, and it's just it's so impressive. Uh, and so, I mean, any chance I get, I try and talk hitting with him, you know, mostly. Um, and and the, the the main thing that stuck out to me was was what he does when he steps into the into the into the batting cage to start his routine from tee to flips to batting practice to game. It's the it's the same thing. He does. This is what I'm doing. And I'm doing each thing, the exact same thing. Um, and, and he does it when I go, I'll, I'll watch him work his T swings into his flip swings, into his BP, into the game. It's like, it's, it's the same thing, the same intent, the same plan. Um, and that type of consistency um, is first of all, it's really, really hard to do on a daily basis in a game where, where we're playing every day. Um, you know, uh, to even, to even think to do that is one thing and then to go actually do it. Uh, to live it is is super impressive and it's been super uh, you know it's been very inspirational to me and I've been trying to do that in in my work as well and um, I've been feeling really good about it actually um, and there's a you know it's a lot of credit goes to him and in the influence that he has on you know not just on me but on our team in itself cool stuff are you a little bit like the Rose family you want to make dinner you don't want to spend the money on going out or bringing the food in but you don't want the pain of creating a huge meal that creates a mess and takes hours in the kitchen. That's where HelloFresh can lend a helping hand or two. HelloFresh keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 recipes, over 100 seasonal and convenience items for you to choose from each and every week. And guess what? In the month of May, HelloFresh is celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. If you've ever tasted that sort of food, you know it is so yummy in your belly. And try for a limited time authentic recipes created in partnership with Serbi Sani and enjoy a cultural taste tour right in your very own kitchen. No worries if you're not a pro, right? We try and cook at least five nights a week. We stare at each other. We're like, do we really want to make this? When HelloFresh sends it right to your door, there's no problems whatsoever. It comes in the nifty little box. It's almost like it's a gift for you. You get so darn excited. You rip the box open. You're like, yes, this is what we're making. You turn it into a festival, a partnership with that someone special in your life. That's how we do it. So head on over to HelloFresh.com slash Rotation16. So use that code Rotation16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash Rotation16. Start using America's number one meal kit today. One thing you did change this year was your walk-up song. What are you going with now? Fat Bottom Girls. Freddie Mercury, baby. Do you it's hear it when, you're, walk when uh, you're walking up to the plate? Do you hear the music or are you so laser-focused? Oh, no. It's the, it, it's, it's the it's the only thing, only thing I do here. It's the best. Mm. Walk up songs. I mean, it's, it's one of the it's one of the shitty things about, you know, you know, uh, first of all, um, you know, the pitch clock. It if we want to get into that, uh, first of all, uh, I, I don't really care what a whole lot of people say. It's awesome. 
uh, and the games are going by mm-hmm. real fast and it's great. We don't, we don't need to get into too much detail about it, but most guys I talk to, it's, it's, it's all right. We're, we're doing good, but it does take away from about 10, 15 seconds of walk-up song material. And that is frustrating. And so I don't know, I was, I was sitting in this house here and I was, I was with my wife and my brother-in-law and we were trying to figure out like, all right, guys, we got, we got like five or six seconds. How can we make five or six seconds hit? Right. And that's super hard to do. So I started thinking about uh, some, some guys that said that had some walk-up songs uh, in the past that I liked. And one of the things I liked are the guys that uh, they have the song and then the song shuts off, but it's right at the part where everyone in the crowd knows the words. Right. So mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman, perfect example in Colorado, he's walking up to, you know, Josie's on a vacation fire. And so he walked, he always used to time it up perfectly right before he steps into the box, the whole crowd goes tonight and it's awesome. And it's like uh, this classic Charlie Blackman thing and everyone in, uh, in Colorado loves it. Then last year, I believe uh, in Kansas city, Whit Merrifield walked up to tequila so the whole he's walking up and all you hear is da, 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 da. and then it stops and the whole crowd goes tequila. And I'm like, dang, that's good. That's really good. So I was trying to think of like, you know, something like that that I could do. Uh, so the two options to start the year, we started with Whitney Houston. Uh, I want to dance with somebody, you know, just waiting for and I was hoping maybe it could stop and everyone go with somebody who loves me. You know, it didn't hit. Didn't hit, didn't have good results in the batter's box. It just, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. But Fat Bottom Girls, the the first time I walked up to it, right as the song cut off, I don't know how many people were doing it, but uh, but it, there was enough where I could hear when the music cut off. I could hear enough people saying like, Fat Bottom Girls, you make the rockin' world go. And I was like, oh, that's it. We nailed it. We nailed it. And uh, got a couple of good compliments from a walked up to Luke Maley was catching the other day. And he said, Hey, great walk up song. I'm on this one. So anytime I get my, my brother's uh, acknowledgement, I knew it was a good one. That's great. Now, now what you have to do is get rid of the beard, just keep the stash and walk <laughs> up in a white tank and jeans and you'll be perfect. Oh, players, players weekend. Maybe they'll let me do that for players weekend. Full Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. So when you walk up to the plate and one of your boys is back there, like a Luke Maley, guys that you're close with, guys that you played with, you've gone to battle with, how quick are the conversations? Too quick now. Too quick. So, like, I mean, like, probably two of my best friends in the game play for the Reds and Will Myers and Luke Maley. So we just played the Reds for four games. So it's, you know, you really just get your, like, one little jab. Instead of a quick conversation, now it's just, like, Fuck you, bro. <laughs> you don't really get a whole lot, so you just kind of go for it. Uh, yeah, it, the the conversations end up have, happening like mid at bat. Something funny happens. Like I, I fouled a ball off the other day, and, and it hit Luke right in the stomach, like foul ball. Uh, and and he's like, oh, and I was like, oh, you're all right, bro. He's like, oh, right in the abdomen. And our thing in in Cleveland was, uh, you know, if one of us was catching, like you're staying in the game. So rub some dirt on it. So wherever it was, like you get hit in the head, you know, you rub some dirt on it. And so I just turned around. I was like, rub some dirt on. He physically grabbed dirt, started rubbing his stomach. I was like, oh boy, you're good. You're good. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right. I do want to get to the pitch clock. We're here. We might as well discuss. 
What do you love most about it? <laughs> the pace, man. I don't. I haven't talked to. I haven't talked to a lot of people. I don't even know if this take is is a is a is a good take for uh, for whatever people in 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 the baseball world want it to be. But to be to be fully honest, the feedback that I have heard and the way that I'm going and, and kind of seeing it, uh, I like it. And I like it a lot. I like the pace, and I like when we're done with games. My goodness, I've been. I've been getting home. We have these 635 Pittsburgh games and I'm home at 930. And there's something there's something about how like your body's recovering uh, the time the you know, if I want to be in bed at, you know, I think like a normal like night game bedtime for a ball player is like probably like one, one, two o'clock. Like that's pretty normal for falling asleep. And you know, for most of my career, I picture getting home at 11 and 1130 sometimes and and that's that's no time to spend with your family. Uh, it's no time to recover. It feels like you get done with the game, you eat, you come home, you go to bed, you wake up, you do it again. And for in, in this year, it seems like we get a little more time to, you know, watch your shows, hang out with your boys, hang out with your family, whatever you want to do. Um, and I don't know, you just you look up and it's the sixth inning when it feels like it probably should be the third inning. And uh and there's just the, 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 and there's kind of the strategy with it too is, is, is fun to me. You got to make, you got to make quick, efficient decisions in game calling um, that at least for me, I feel like gives, gives guys that, uh, that can and want to make those decisions quickly, or there's a, or there's a penalty for not being able to make these decisions. Um, I think there's a real strategy to that. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, you take it into like the NFL, right? You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, you don't want to be, uh, penalized for, uh, for something you didn't work on. So that's one of the big arguments in baseball is like in the, uh, you work all off season for, I'm, I'm throwing strikes, I'm getting hits and all that. And you, you don't want to ball or a strike on, uh, on a time thing, right? That doesn't seem like a competitive thing, but you know, I look at some, I look at probably the most popular sports in our, in our country and in football and basketball, and these guys have their clocks to get their plays off to get their shots off, to get their play calls in, you know, I'm sure it would be uh, a, a different football game if Bill Belichick had as long as he wanted to draw up the most perfect play of all time. But in reality, he's got what 40 seconds uh, on a play clock to get this in, to get the right personnel in, to make this play. Uh, there's a pressure element to that and a, and a strategic element to that. that I think is really cool. Um, and uh, and is a is a competitive advantage or disadvantage for the guys that can um, that can think along like that. And as the as as the games have gone on, um, I've started to kind of enjoy that. And I think it's a I think it's a good positive challenge for us right now. The the shitty thing is that the players right now are the ones that are the guinea pigs. So uh -huh. there's still a learning curve, and we still gotta you know learn how to do it. And and we're, it feels like we're the ones that have to wear this load of uh, of the game progressing. Um, and it's like, damn, we want to keep the game the way it was. We love the game. Uh, and now we have to deal with all this bullshit that we're not used to. And it's going to hurt our numbers and take, take money out of our pockets. You know, there's a, there's are good arguments, but you know, if I'm looking at this game when we're done and, and ideally that's how we got to look at this game, especially as a union uh, you know, we look back to the guys in uh, that, that's that did the strike in, in 94, 95, whatever that was. And they, they did a big deal for, for the future of the game and they made the game, 
they allowed us to have, you know, no salary cap, this guaranteed money that that's amazing. And we appreciate what they did for us, but they had to go grind in a way that, you know, luckily we haven't really had to. Um, we're now, you know, I think in, in passing along the game to make the game flourish and be amazing and grow, uh, sometimes there's some, you got to take a couple shots yourself, um, which sucks, but um, I think it's okay. And I think if we, where it's going, I think it's, I think it's pretty good for year one for doing some of this stuff where I feel like in like five, 10 years, uh, I think we're going to be grateful. And I think it's going to be a really fun sport. I think it's excellent perspective. I will tell you as a lifelong fan, I love it. In fact, last night I had the first opportunity to watch baseball uh, with our oldest son, who's 22 and is a huge baseball fan and works in it as well. And we were sitting there and we were watching the, eight games at once and we looked up and I we couldn't believe how many games were in the seventh inning it was like it was like 5 30 local time and we looked up and we we're like holy shit the games are flying by and, and I said do you like it and he goes I love it I said I love it and we all kind of feel the same way about that Trevor May who of course is a member of the Rose rotation was very frustrated and has been frustrated and has been openly critical about it. He said he felt like if it was 20 seconds universal, meaning when nobody was on base and when people were on base, that would allow him to do his job better, meaning shake off signs, work with a young catcher. You know, not everybody's Austin Hedges back there. There are young guys who are trying to figure out how to call games and get guys out at this level. Is there something to what he's saying about that, that we have lost that aspect? Yes, a hundred percent. That's, that's actually, that's a great point. Um, it's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect yet. There's, I wish, I wish uh, the communication between uh, the union, the players in the league was, uh, it was able to work together a little bit better on this because I feel like the, 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 it seems to me the guys that don't like the pitch clock, the simple solution is, is just adding a handful more seconds, you know, not, not 30 more seconds, but, you know, whatever that 15, make it 15, make it 20, make it 25. Like those would not be, those would still keep the game at this pace. That's at this amazing pace that we're going at mm -hmm. while also, um, you know, allowing a guy to be able to shake off three or four times if he needs to, or to be able to, you know, throw a bad pitch, go grab some rosin, take a deep breath, reset himself. Um, you know, the, the little things that, that I know, especially pitchers uh, have worked on for their whole lives. Um, so I think that's definitely a, um, you know, uh, it, it's a solution that I think could help a lot of problems for the guys that that aren't really sure about um, about the pitch clock in itself. Um, and, and I think that could be a good idea. Um, and I don't know what what that what that exact number would be, but um, I think, you know, a handful more seconds um, or just a consistent amount of time where it's not runners on base and nobody on. It's just this is the. This is the play clock. This is the pitch clock, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, this is a safe amount of time, but it also keeps it keeps the ball moving to guys. Guys have to work efficiently. Today's episode is sponsored by Shady Rays. I want you to take on the sun with gear that is built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays, they have you covered with these things. Premium polarized shades at a very affordable price. In fact, Shady Rays offers a world-class product just as good as any of those expensive pairs, except you know what? It keeps the cash in your wallet. They got durable frames. They've got extremely clear optics as well. And that's not all. You've heard me talk about this all the time, and it's no joke. 
Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in the history of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? If you lose them, if you break them, even on day one, you call up, you say, I can't believe this. And they go, Rose, did it happen again? And I'll say, yes, it happened again. I sat on my sunglasses. They don't care. They don't judge. They just ship you a new pair of Shady Rays. No questions asked. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays has given out their best deal of the season. So I want you to head on over to ShadyRays.com. Use the code word ROSE. You're going to get 50% off two-plus pair of polarized sunglasses. And when you break those and you lose those, you just call them up and you say, I need another pair. And they send them right to your door. How awesome is that? It's unbelievable. Thanks to Shady Rays. You have the joy of being able to catch one of the veterans in baseball in Rich Hill. He's actually closer to my age than he is your age. And he's a former guest on this show. He's super funny, super smart. And when he gets in between the lines, I think the guy yells fuck more than anybody I've ever heard. Do you? How can you not laugh like when he throws a pitch and like midway, mid-flight, it's like fuck! Yeah, fuck. I, that, that is the hard part is uh, so, so the challenge of catching Rich is first of all, it is he's one of the most beautiful, amazing people and teammates I've ever played with and is just an absolute joy to be around. So when he pitches, uh, it, it's, 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 it's a, it's quite the challenge to, uh, to, to lead and to uh, really just, just get on the same page and flow with him because, you know, this is a guy that I'm trying to learn a lot from, you know, this is a guy that's, that's thrown so many thousands of pitches um, in big situations in so many organizations that, you know, there's so much for me to learn from. Um, but in trying to get on the same page as him is, can be difficult because he's the most locked in bad motherfucker on the mound that I've ever seen. Like it is the, the, his world completely changes between the lines and uh, you know, without knowing exactly from his words, like for me in, in just assessing what I'm seeing is when he steps on the line, like, and especially where he's at in his career, like, that's like, that's his edge that has gotten him to pitch at 43 years old is, I mean, there is, it's take no prisoners. It's never step off the gas pedal. I mean, there is not one pitch that he's taken off. Like it is, he's throwing with everything he has and with the intent of absolutely ruining that hitter's day, right? Like it is, it's fuck you. This is mine. Like I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to, all I care about is how this ball is coming out of my hand and that you're going to get out. And that's it. And if it doesn't, and if things don't go my way, like I wasn't locked in enough and I got to, I got to go further. So I'm like, okay, like, so, so I'm now assessing this. I got to figure out like, okay, like, you know, do I need to light the fire under his ass even more? Do I need to calm him down? What kind of conversation do I need to have with him? And trying to learn that has been an absolute blast. So like a good example, we're in Colorado and bases loaded jam in the first inning and Rich gets done with his outing or gets done with the inning and you would have thought he gave up eight runs, but he gave up zero runs, but he needed to, it was, he wasn't, he wasn't just fired up enough to will himself to get through. Well, first of all, a very difficult place to pitch it for a guy that's thrown a lot of breaking balls. Colorado's a really difficult place to pitch in, you know, and for him, he knows he's like, I got to be at my absolute best to give the team a chance to win. So he's formulating all this edge inside of him to like, to just will himself to put a winning performance out there. And it's exactly what he did. We, we end up winning the ball game, but it's, 
it's this mode that, uh, you know, I thought Cal Quantrill in Cleveland was crazy when he stepped through the lines. But Cal's like a three out of ten on the on the Dick Mountain scale. Full Dick Mountain is a ten, and you, uh, it's it's tough to get there. But uh, my goodness, is it uh, is it impressive? And here's a here's a fun story for you. So he throws 105 pitches in Colorado, and uh, wins the game, dominates part of our great series there. Two days later, there's a day game. Uh, so Rich is there at 9 a.m. So we're talking less than 48 hours since he threw 105 pitches in Colorado. He goes and throws a bullpen at Coors Field at 9 a.m. and throws 100 more pitches in the bullpen, just letting balls eat, just doing his thing, maintaining his velocity the entire time, comes into the clubhouse, and boys kind of find out about it. And he's like, fuck yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't get to do this for forever. Like I had stuff to work on. I go out there. And I swear to you, like, I was like, well, we won the series. We're, we're about to win today. That was it. We won the game because of that. We go out there, we score like 12 runs in the first two innings. And it was like, it was little things like that, that I was like, he set the tone. It was like, oh, we already won the series. Do you guys want to sweep these guys? Do you want to be some bad motherfuckers out there and, and go do this? Like, I'll show you how to do it. And I swear the energy just shifted to, it was already good energy, but it shifted to like, oh, we're, we're going to go sweep these guys now. And Boom, like, and it happened. And I was like, that's Rich Hill for you right there. So hold on here. I mean, I've been privy to a lot of bullpen sessions. I've had the good fortune of being able to watch a bunch. I've never heard of a guy that throws a 100-pitch bullpen two days after he throws. In Colorado. In a place where you don't recover that well. Fully good. Goes back out uh, against uh, against the Cincinnati Reds two days after that and goes five innings, one run, I think unearned strikes out a bunch of dudes just doing it, doing his thing. He's like, yeah, that's it. And if he, and if he could, he would have thrown more. It's uh, I can't even get out of bed a day after working out. And here he is after he's special. He's special. It's uh, it's really, really impressive. It's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, especially on a young ball club when you're not feeling good, you can go look at that guy and be like, there's no way, like, how is he feeling better than me right now? And the answer is he's not, but he just makes himself go do it. And he wills himself through it and does it anyways. And, you know, if you want to have a long career in this league, that's the guy that you want to look to. That's impressive. That's an awesome story. Thank you. Um, I want to get to the Max Scherzer situation with you, because I think as a guy who has to hit for a living and catch pitchers, you must've had a few interesting thoughts on, baseball suspending a guy 10 games not just a guy but a hall of fame guy as well when you saw it unravel read about it watched the highlights listen to scherzer's interviews where do you stand man uh, to be honest you know it it was really difficult to face guys for free for a few years when they were really taking advantage of the sticky stuff there was some there were some pitches that seemed like pretty unfair to hit but I want them – I'd rather them bring it back, to be honest. I, pitchers, to me, I think they, they should be able to use borderline whatever they want for the one reason of I'm sick and tired of dudes getting hit in the head. I don't know what's going on, but too many dudes are getting hit in the head and getting hit up and in with – and everyone throws 100 now. If you make a major league debut, if you're watching these major league debuts, like there was a guy for Oakland the other day made his debut. How hard does he throw every pitch? 100. Everyone throws a hundred now. Okay. This is, this is really hard. This is like, 
for me, it's borderline life or death, right? When you're stepping in the batter's box, I've been hitting the head with pitches, not just catching, but hitting like it's scary, like head injuries, injuries in baseball are scary. And when I'm thinking about playing like a day game in St. Louis in the summer uh, and uh, it, and you, all you have is sweat and rosin. Um, obviously there's the whole thing with what that means. If you had alcohol or all that other stuff, it's like, dude, grab it, use it. The last thing I want is a dude. If I'm watching a guy wiping, wiping his hand off every pitch. And then Jordan Hicks has to grab that ball and he has to throw a ball 105, uh, with me hitting. I'm like, grab some sticky, go ahead, grab some sticky, throw this thing where you want to, and we'll learn how to hit it. You know, like I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other arguments that that hitters would 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 hate that take. But for me, for the safety of the game, for for just the uh, consistency of it, it's like let these guys that I would guess most guys that I talk to are using it more for control of their pitches. Uh, if they could figure out a way to make sure these pitchers can control their pitches with an equal standard. Um, where they're not being able to add these crazy RPMs to their stuff to throw, you know, unhittable stuff. Um, I would like to see us be able to do that because it seems like it's either crazy sticky, you can't get a hit or nothing at all. And now, uh, now pitchers are losing some baseballs and, 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 and I just don't like it. You know, there's, there's a lot of other sports and, you know, you look, you even look at hitting with pinter. There's all kinds of sports that use things. And, and for some reason, baseball and pitching seems to be the one thing where, Guys, since since hitting is the hardest thing in the world, it seems like you can't you can't help the pitchers out anymore. Uh, but for me, it's a safety thing, and uh, and it's such this sketchy battle of like who's using it, who's not. It's like it's this it's a tiring act to be honest. Like I'm sick and tired of even like thinking about talking about it. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> with with how hard guys are throwing, like. I just want guys to be able to command the ball, to be honest. Do you look at Max Scherzer any differently today than you did a week ago? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I'm really confused by uh, by the no appeal. That's confusing to me. Um, but, no. Like, time heals all wounds. People get over it. People are going to be talking about me flopping on the ground for a couple of days, and then no one in the world's ever going to talk about it again for the rest of history. People are going to talk about guys that have cheated in this sport and then they're going to start hitting some homers and people are going to forget about it for the rest of history. It's people forget people just care about the most relevant thing right now. And the thing that causes it to stir up and causes controversy and let's have our controversy. Let's butt heads because we're addicted to that. And then we move on and we find the next one. So this is one of those ones that Max Scherzer is going to come out and he's going to start shoving on the mound again. And people are going to forget and, uh, people that are annoyed with him are going to keep bringing up the sticky thing uh, just because they're just annoyed with his success. But, you know, uh, pint or uh, rosin and, and sweat and alcohol are not the uh, reason Max Scherzer is a Hall of Famer, arguably one of the greatest right-hand pitchers in the history of our sport. So um, <laughs> there's nothing to take away from his career, what he's doing. Um, like I said, give it, give it a month and we're never going to be talking about it again. I know you don't like talking about it, but I will. Uh, my biggest problem is the lack of consistency and transparency from the league standpoint. Because a few days before Scherzer, we had Domingo Herman get stopped in New York in between innings, not an appeal by Rocco Baldelli and the Twins, but 
the umpires telling him, hey, clean your hands. He came back out. They didn't like it. They let him go. But Scherzer, they tell him clean his hands. He does. He washes with alcohol, reportedly in front of an MLB official. It just, there's no consistency. And the league thinks it's okay to just issue a statement and then move on. I want somebody in front of a camera answering questions so that we as fans, you guys as players, management can understand exactly what is okay and what's not okay. Like, I didn't know that that he shouldn't have been using alcohol to clean his hands. Ploof is like, nobody uses alcohol to clean their hands. They use that stuff where they, I don't know what it is. They spray it on their arms to get all the sticky stuff and the tape off of. Yeah, like, the that's tape remover. Yeah, it's, yeah the, you're right. You're exactly right. That's that's the that's one of the disappointing things that goes on in our sport and you know it's one of the things that i touched on last year when i when i had an interview that that um you know was a little bit controversial and talking about some accountability from the league and um you know i think it, it, that was taken a little bit um out of context for a minute when they, when it's when a lot of some people took it like it was an attack on more like on umpires and the reality was it was it was it was it was an accountability conversation uh, for major league baseball, uh, for that specific reason, like you said, like there's what we get is a statement, um, or someone on MLB network telling us about that statement, um, with no accountability whatsoever for, um, how they're handling things on a consistent basis, I think to your point. Um, and it would be nice if there was some type of consistent, um, accountability or just a, a face or a voice from their side that was, you know, that had to come and be, public that had to go on national television and uh, say some things that are going to make him get some nasty, nasty responses and have to deal with it. But it seems like there's none of that. All we have are players uh, in their opinions. And then the written statement from the league, which is pretty unfair. And um, we all know who's going to get uh, the worst side of that. And that's going to be the player. The players always get, get made out to be the villains because they're the ones that have to stand up for themselves um, on whatever platform they have. Um, and it doesn't seem like the league is doing the same thing because uh, they don't have to. They just flat out don't have to. They make all the decisions. Uh, they don't find themselves for for making wrong decisions. They just move forward. And if they do, I don't know. They're not they're not treating it as publicly as uh, they would with like a Scherzer situation. Um, but if 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 there could be some type of thing with um, you know, we're, we're we're watching guys go in. Uh, some guys grab a pitcher's hand and it's a quick rub. Someone's a deep rub. Some are, I mean, absolutely shoving their whole hand into the glove. And then you got one umpire making all of the uh, calls on the sticky, uh, you know, all three times, uh, I believe I read, like, it's, it's like, man, dude, like, I don't, that's, that's not, that's not good. That's just not good. It's a bad look. Um, and something different needs to happen about it. Um, and Sadly, I don't think it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen. No, we not. can bitch and complain about it all we want, but it's not going to happen. Why? Because they don't have to. They go, yeah, that's a good point. Rob Manfred makes his rounds to every team in the league at some point, has a conversation about things, and he hears our points, and then what's he going to go do? Nothing about it. There's, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do anything about it. You know, he's the guy in charge and he can listen and nod his head and, you know, check the box. I talked to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I talked to these guys and they gave me these great points. What do I have to do about it? Nothing. Doesn't have to do anything about it. And, you know, nothing's going to change with that. So time for us to kind of just accept it and be like, that's what's going to happen. Does it make it right? No. 
Um, but sadly, that's where we're at. And it's going to take some serious, serious change uh, moving forward to uh, to make something different happen. You have stated several times on this show that your job is to make pitchers as much money as possible. Like you take it personally when guys get their balls kicked in and that makes you feel like shit. You also have to hit for a living. Have you ever had, and I don't need a name here, but have you ever had a situation where a guy has been loading up the baseball so much where you have to pull him aside and you're like, like, dude, come on enough. No, 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 that's uh, I don't think that's my place. You know, I definitely know of guys that, that I, to be honest, I try and not really know. Like I, I, I see what I see, but I don't really have conversations about it. It's like, dude, do whatever you got to do to go get your outs. And, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me. So like uh, it's, it's, it's better that I don't know. Um, so uh, I try not to even really pay too much attention. But you know, thing. right. I mean, catchers I have know, an idea. Don't they? I have, I have a really good idea, but it's not like there's a, discussion like hey hedgy i'm loading up with this spider tack uh you know if you catch one that's too sticky rub some dirt on it right like never had one of the i've never had one of those conversations uh and i'd like i'd rather not it's like if you go do whatever you got to do uh and i'm gonna try and i'm gonna try and help you make as much money as possible uh and it's it's better off that i don't know uh you just you just go do it and whatever you want to go do is up to you Fair enough. Uh, what's your uh, what's your wife up to? I know last year didn't she go to Europe or something with with your mom and yeah wasn't wasn't that the trip that she yeah took? she uh, she's good she's here uh, and she stayed she stayed back in in Denver for a couple of days when we were there and we oh. had some friends uh, friends come out to see me play and they stayed for a couple of days and went to a uh, a show at Red Rocks um, which they'd want to go mm. see and seeing some of those pictures and videos that place is. It's on my bucket list for sure. It looks really, really cool. Started snowing, so it looked like a pretty special environment. We, uh, our last episode with Lucas Giolito, we had quite the conversation about Coachella, and uh, I imagine that'll be your first stop when you probably. Retire. I think my wife has been to double digits. I think she's been to nine or ten Coachellas. Oh my God. That's her. Uh, that's that's her and our our kind of friend group back home. That was their thing. This is so she didn't go this year. Um, probably first time, first time in a long time. But pretty much like it was like eighteen years old to twenty seven ish years old. Didn't miss one. They do the camping. They get there bright and early on the on the Thursday before. Get all their stuff set up, uh, and they have endless endless uh, stories of 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 that time. Uh, yeah, I told her if we ever go, like, uh, there's no, I don't know. Camping's probably not, not for me. It's probably gonna need to be like VIP section, air conditioning, uh, uh-huh. Airbnb, you know, one of those types of things. That sounds fun to me. Well, you do look a little bit like the, the bear grills sort of deal. You look like mountain man, but they, that's not your thing, huh? It's not, I mean, you know, as I say that, like, I probably would be my thing. You give me enough Bud Lights and, you know, camping sounds like a good time. Mm. So uh, I'd probably go try it for a day and, you know, it seems like it'd be, <laughs> I'd like it for a day, but my body definitely doesn't recover like it used to uh, the next day. And that's a, that's a, that's a four day journey of, of nonstop partying. 
Um, I think I could maybe handle a day, but I don't know about four. Yeah, by by the time you're done playing, you might be 48, and you no, get no, out no. there. There's no chance, no chance. I'm playing until I'm 48, Rosie. No okay. chance. Just checking. Just, I no, thought maybe Rich no. Hill inspired you. No, um, no, no. <laughs> how do you? Could you play a day game after a night game? Oh yeah, sure. You could. Not all the time, but there's plenty of times where I'm feeling good enough. Uh, day game after a night game isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, it just a lot of times. You know, if I'm if I'm starting, especially for like a series, uh, like already playing, like if I'd already played two or three games in a row, um, that might be kind of tough. Um, but if it's like if I got like an off day, night game, day game, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, it's just you just got to you, you. It's one of those that you got to rich hill that one. You just got to talk yourself into it that you're feeling good and you just go for it. Uh, which, which I kind of like sometimes. Sometimes I feel like as a, as a ball player, we get to the field too early. You know, we're there at one thirty for a for a seven o'clock game. There's a lot of downtime, a lot of preparing, uh, like over preparing, and uh, sometimes just you, you know the only thing that matters is 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 pitch one right. It's seven o'clock. You know, all the other stuff leading up to it. That's great. It's good practice. You got to do your prep and all that, but. None of that matters. It's the only thing that matters is those two and a half, three hours of game time right there. And, you know, sometimes what I've noticed is uh, with myself and with other people is we burn out a lot of our intensity in those hours to, uh, leading up to it. You know, you go to your cage work or you go uh, do your catch play, your weightlifting, your mobility, uh, a lot of things that, that you're working really hard at. And that requires effort and intensity to go to go practice, to go do those drills or whatever they are. And, you know, if say you get your tank is full at one o'clock of intensity for the day, you know, you go work your, your ass off for, for a couple hours. You can't just say your intensity is at 100% full at seven o'clock. You know, it might be 90. So that's really good. But, but damn it, man, I want a hundred. I want a hundred at game time. And I want to try and keep that fuel tank full for the only thing that matters. So sometimes those day games are kind of fun because it's just like show up, lock it in, jump yeah. in the cold tub. Here we go. And I am peak intensity. And even with my body feeling a little bit sore, uh, it might even be better. Last thing before we get out of here. Um, when we talked to you in the spring training, you were staying at a place that had like small little pond that had a crocodile in it. And you told us that there were, residents that would go up to it alligator and then i'm pretty I... sure crocodiles aren't in aren't in america bro all right alligator yeah, whatever man. come on snappy thing with teeth okay um there was a picture that you took with the alligator over your shoulder remember that you put it on your social media yes i do remember that i was there didn't we talk about how how stupid the people were that got within I don't know, 20 feet of that thing. And here I see you doing it. It was stupid. It was the stupidest thing I might've ever done in my whole life. Those pictures were like, this is what the picture is like. I was like, here's the alligator. And I was like, cheese right back to it. I, I, I definitely didn't have my back turned to it for more than two seconds because I was like, I'm not being that guy. I, my wife wanted to take a picture of me. It was the alligator happened to be right there. You know, it was perfect photo time, but I was like, this is, this is how it happens. Now I'm one of those guys. It's just like taking pictures and then I get dragged in the water and 
I, you know, I love my wife, but I don't think she's coming into the water and beating an alligator to save my life. It's just not happening. No. Unless she wants no, to go no. down too. So. No, no. It was, yeah. It's definitely easier for her to find another catcher. She would, yeah. Try she and would. Ward she could definitely an find alligator. another catcher. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Or she could find somebody at Coachella. Just, you never know. Lots of people in the world. Listen, dude, always great catching up. I'm so happy you guys are off to a really, really good, fun, solid start. I didn't even check the schedule. Do you go to Cleveland this year? Do we get to have no. another Marat? No, they come there. Huh? They come to us. I know. I was wishing we'd go there. I was looking forward to another one of those. Like, remember, we were at the Austin Hedges reunion tour. Yeah, you were my you were my standing ovation. It was like great to get somebody. Oh yeah, we were so fired up when you catch in between innings on the day you head off. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. All right, we'll catch up in a month or so. See who your um, LA Chargers have drafted and stuff. Although by the time this airs, we'll know, but we'll talk about it then. Okay. Sounds good. All right. For our awesome producer, the one and only Robbie Scirocco, and the alligator chasing Austin Hedges, I am Chris Rose. We'll see you next time on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.